0: It was Thomas Merton who once said, Meditation and contemplative prayer is not so much a way to find God as a way of resting in him whom we have found, who loves us, who is near to us, who
1: comes to us to draw us to himself. That's a killer quote, Morgan. Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of May 3rd. Morgan Snyder and John in the studio, picking up with part two of a series that Morgan and his wife Sherry did on the Become Good Soil podcast on contemplative prayer. And there's a whole world of sort of deeper discipleship track here at Wild at Heart in Morgan's BGS world, Become Good Soil world and we wanted to lift some of that bring it into the larger listening audience here if you missed part 1 you might want to go back and do that because it's a combination of some teaching and then some spiritual exercises and this week Sherry's going to use the daily prayer which is and it's it's just been a lifesaver over the years it's something that we developed over time largely around our life in God right at the front of the war, right at the front of the war for the human heart. We were just experiencing so much interference and chaos and harassment and distraction and just the difficulty of how do I center in Jesus every morning so the daily prayer is something that kind of has been through like 16 different iterations. It gets edited and changed and added to, but you're going to hear Sherry refer to it, take you into it. And, and it's a rich part of the, of the prayer tradition here in our little fellowship. So with Thomas Merton's thoughts in mind, here we go into part two on contemplative centering prayer.
0: So Sherry, in the first episode, we really just began to scratch the surface on this this category of what is centering prayer? What is the practice of meditation? And we tried a small practice together. Um, Now we're going to turn towards part two. And in part two, Morgan will pick it up with you're actually
2: testifying to some fruit you've seen in my life from this practice over time and some ways that you've seen um, truly witnessed my transformation here.
0: Sherry, in the workshop, you alluded to ways of knowing and how that is very central in our understanding and practice of contemplative prayer. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
2: Buddy, first of all, I just want to explore and put out there how much this idea of, quote, knowledge of God is referenced in the scriptures. For example, in Colossians 1, we have Paul. He's interceding for the church, and he's praying that they would grow in the knowledge of God. In John and the upper room discourse, as it were, where Jesus is addressing his friends, he says, now this is life unending. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. One of the challenges is what does it mean to know God? And often from a Western perspective, our um, experience of knowledge is what we might call knowledge about. For example, to know a car is to know how a car works, to know about a car. In contrast, Morgan, there's a whole nother history of knowledge, and obviously this is a massive, a massive conversation. People have PhDs in this, and so I'm just talking to this as a layperson. There's depth and dimension to this conversation far beyond my experience, but there's been historically in the human experience another way to represent knowledge, and it was knowledge of something. It would be the difference between me knowing about a car, like technically I know that there's pistons and an engine and gasoline, versus actually having placed my hands on the pistons, placed my hands on the engine. Or maybe a better example that I could speak with a little more thoroughly, this knowledge about versus knowledge of could be related, for example, to technically know about coral as it relates to... Coral is an organism that grows in shallow, warm water. I know about coral versus knowing coral because I've swam in shallow, warm water, and I've seen coral, and I've been close to it, Mm -hmm. and I've experienced it. And so— Often, sometimes it feels like we're given these either-or options. Either I have to embrace models of knowledge about, or I have to embrace experiential models of. And I want to suggest that they're both central to our practices of coming into deeper union with God. Throughout the ages, it's been said, actually, that that's sort of what we might call studying theology, the study of God, of who God is, that we might call the study about God. Where we learn sort of abstractly, God is kind, God is loving, God is generous, is actually the foundation for the contemplative practices, the direct experience of God. So to know that God loves me technically or sort of as a matter of judicial reality is one thing, but to actually experience that God loves me is a whole other way of knowing and that we're really looking for both that it isn't that we disregard the knowledge about God, because sometimes we need the knowledge about God to make the path open, make a safe way for us to enter into direct realization, a direct experience of God. If I don't know that God is generous and loving and open-hearted and inclusive of me, how can I enter with confidence into a contemplative practice How can I know that this is a safe ocean to go swimming in? So I have to know about the ocean in some ways before I can enter into it deeply. And so both are important, but if we only stop at knowledge about God, there'll be so much of our our human person as we're learning these different aspects, particularly places deeper than our consciousness and deeper than cognitions that are actually where we respond to the stimulus of life, where the action is um, in terms of when I make a mistake and I feel a wave of shame that comes over me, that action is happening below my cognitions. And so we have to find ways, and it's through experience, to touch the places of us that lie below our our creedal statements, our cognitive representations of things. And that's where this profound gift of what we might call more of a Eastern way of knowing comes in, an insistence on experiential knowledge.
0: Boy, Sherry, it's really good. And just by way of making sure I understand you and by practical example, one of the threads that is weaving through what you're sharing and surely present in my story is there is this operational belief of it's kind of up to me or it's on me, and I've carried that for a lot of my life. But what I hear you saying is I can come to contemplative prayer with the knowledge about God is that He is a loving Father, yes. and He is perfectly capable of caring for the world that He created. Yes. And I can come into contemplative prayer with those core ideas and trust them Yes. Even if I don't feel them, yes. I trust them. And it's from that basis, from that foundation, then I can practice creatively and graciously entering into the space of actually opening my spirit to experience the reality of the love of a father. Yes. And so it's from the basis of those beliefs that then I can begin to actually experience the manifest presence of. He is generous. Yes. I feel his generosity. I experience his affection. Yes. I experience his abundant provision. And so now I walk out of that practice over time with the knowledge about. It's good to know that he's a good father, Mm -hmm. but also the knowledge of is I can testify. I can proclaim that I know him. Yes. As a loving father. Yes, yes
2: and there's a, a a part of our nervous system it's called the vagus nerve and it goes from the base of our brain threads through our lungs and into our belly and eventually we can through experience like you're talking about Morgan through actually physiologically entering into practices that get let us experience God's love, God's provision as a good father, eventually your vagus nerve, my vagus nerve will start responding differently. Instead of you feeling your chest tighten, your belly be a little bit sick because you're feeling anxious, you'll be like, oh my gosh, same stimuli, but I know something of the goodness of the father. And I'm not even trying to get my breath to deepen or my belly to relax. I simply, as, as it's been said of Dallas, hurry was not in him the day might come when you're like, anxiety literally is no longer in me. Hmm. It's not that I'm trying hard not to be anxious, but to join with Dallas's idea, you've actually trained through contemplative prayer to become the kind of person in whom anxiety is not. And that is so thrilling because I have, um, all the willpower in the world for me has not been able to eradicate the self-hatred, the shame, the intolerable sensations of anxiety that I've contended with most of my life. So to have this third way open up for me of a practice that over time can lead to anxiety no longer being in me. It's so awesome.
0: Mm. Uh, Sherry, there's so much here. Like there's so much fruit in what I hear you sharing that it's more than enough to say, go for it, try it on, try it out. But even before we get into the practicals of how to do this, I just want to ask the question, like, why else is it so important? What in this practice have you found to be so deeply generative or, or tove? In other words, mm-hmm. this objective goodness, other than what you've already shared. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to point mm-hmm. us to?
2: Well, Morgan, I think so much for me, it's it's been kind of like the the missing piece of this Puzzle, which is a way two dimensional word, but how to actually be transformed into the likeness of Christ. There's this amazing passage at the end of Second Corinthians three. Paul says this, and you can just see Paul breaks into these moments as I've been rereading through Paul's letters. Of you can tell he's trying to put language to his knowledge of God. He's trying to put language to um, what he knows of God that is beyond the faculty of language to really grasp. But here we go. He says, And we, who with unveiled faces all contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I just love the connection Paul is making between these practices of contemplation. And here is Paul. He didn't have the benefit of the brain imaging tech the technology that we have to actually see that it literally was transforming the, the human person and i've always wondered oh my gosh what it would what, it, what would have been like if we could have had a brain scan of jesus's brain if we could have actually hmm. seen how his That's physiology was and what what like how much deep knowing of the goodness of god caused his The amygdala, which is could be thought of as the smoke detector in the survival mechanisms of the brain, it's what senses a stimuli and turns on the alert that we're in danger. And an overactive amygdala, an amygdala that's, Bessel van der Kolk says, there's a difference between smoke that's coming from your barbecue because you're grilling steak, or smoke that's coming from a fire in your kitchen. And if the amygdala has lost the ability to distinguish between those two, and it's always firing at you that you're um, in a situation of life and death, it's possible that Jesus's nervous system was so oriented around the prevailing goodness of his father that obviously, though, he felt times of intense distress, as we see in the night uh, before he was crucified, on any given Saturday I wonder what his, how his body functioned. What did he know of God? And so that we could be transformed into the likeness of Christ, even on how these non-conscious mechanisms of the body work is fascinating to me. And that it's connected here in the end of the third chapter of 2 Corinthians, it's connected to contemplating God, to contemplating who God is. And again, not knowledge about God, but actually interactive knowledge of God. I just absolutely love it. So, you know, and then we have these things like in Colossians 3, where Paul is giving us an example. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. I like to think of it on permanent things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are passing. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And then Paul gives us this language. He says, Put off all of these things, impurity, anger, rage, malice, slander. Put these things off, for you are putting on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And I have been so perplexed because I haven't found a way. To pragmatically put off these things, Morgan, I've been, you know, so challenged with contempt and envy and hatred my whole life that I would come to a passage like Colossians 3 and just be so perplexed at the gap between my own experience of transformation, and the transformation that seems possible in the New Testament. And for me, this these contemplative practices and the way that they actually rewire my non-conscious parts has just been uh, the bridge. It's been so awesome. Friends, as we move toward a practice for the second episode of Contemplative Prayer, we recall the quote that Morgan opened the episode with, A quote by Thomas Merton from his work, Contemplative Prayer. Meditation and contemplative prayer is not so much a way to find God as a way of resting in God whom we have found, who loves us, who is near to us, and who comes to us to draw us to himself. So friends, As is available to you, consider finding a place that would be conducive to this time of whole person, prayer, and connection with ourselves, with God. If you're driving, consider pressing pause on the podcast and resuming when you are no longer driving. And then begin to draw awareness to yourself in the moment. Consider taking a few slow, deep, natural breaths. On the inhale, filling the belly with breath, allowing the ribs to expand and exploring the top of the inhale. And then on the exhale, just letting that breath soar out. Consider perhaps inhaling and exhaling through the nose as is available to you. And then consider beginning to scan the body, starting with a scan of the face and inviting the face to soften, inviting the jaw to unclench, inviting the tongue to rest away from the roof of the mouth. And be curious about how much Rest and relaxation you can bring to the face. On an next inhale, consider rooting down into wherever you are sitting, connecting your sits bones into your chair or the floor. And then on an inhale, explore your naturally tall spine. On an exhale, consider softening shoulders down. And then begin to observe where your feet are connected to the symbolic earth, maybe the floor of the room you're in, or um, cement on a sidewalk if you're at the park, wherever you might be, just observe where your feet are connected to the floor. Taking a few more slow, deep, natural breaths. Sitting still, sitting straight, eyes closed or lower to the ground, with respect to the mind, present, open, and awake, neither clinging to nor rejecting any thought or sensation that crosses your field of perception. And with respect to attitude, non-judgmental compassion for ourselves as we find ourselves habitually clinging to and rejecting or reacting to almost everything that crosses our field of perception. Jesus, we consecrate this time of contemplation, of meditation to you. We recall Merton's words that this practice is foremost about resting in you, God, in the God whom we have found, in the God who loves us and comes to us to draw us more deeply, more closely to yourself. Friends, for this meditation, I want to explore working through the first few paragraphs of our Ransomed Heart daily prayer together in this contemplative posture, letting God incorporate us, literally bring all of us present to this moment, all of us, every young place within us, every traumatized place within us, every awake and conscious And energetic place within us. Every place that is thirsty and every place that might be dull. Every place that is excited and every place that is disoriented. Just the fullness of who we are. Letting God collect us, incorporate us. I love that word corpus in Latin body. So to be incorporated, to be brought together in God our wholeness brought together into God's wholeness. So consider a few more of those slow, deep, natural breaths. Our daily prayer begins with our dear Lord Jesus. And begin to pay attention now in this time of more now drawing our senses in focus in the eye and perceptions of our heart to engage through our sanctified imagination with this prayer, with this incorporation of our whole being into God. So consider calling to mind or allowing the Spirit to inspire you when you pray, my dear Lord Jesus, what comes before your perception? Do you picture the face of Christ? Is there a sacred clearing where you meet and engage with your Lord? I moved currently to engage with Jesus as my teacher and as my brother, as my king and as my friend, and intimately as my brother as I am learning from him how to live in the kingdom of our Father, my dear Lord Jesus. On an inhale, perhaps allow a perception of Jesus' presence with you, his eyes engaged with yours, his full attention granted. This God who, as the song says, does not give himself in pieces, but gives his whole being to us inhale tune into the sense of jesus granting his whole being and attention to us in this time of prayer jesus my brother our brother our king our beloved teacher We come to you now to be restored in you, to renew our place in you, and to receive from you all of the grace and all of the mercy that we so desperately need on this day. Friends, consider if there's any perceptible experience of being renewed in Jesus, Perhaps it is of of your brother Jesus laying his hands upon you, maybe one hand on your heart and one hand on your forehead in this sacred clearing where you are encountering him. Maybe he is blowing his breath, his spirit upon you, renewing you, restoring you to his life to his love, to present tense connectedness with the life of God. Our dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you extend your presence, your personhood to restore us, to renew us in you. Jesus, we come to you, our brother, to receive from you all the grace, all the empowerment, all of the mercy, all of the validation, all of the belonging, all of the being seen, all of the encouragement, all of the strengthening all of the joy, all of the energy, all of the vitality, all of the focus, all of the concentration, all of the exuberance that we so desperately need on this day. Notice what it is from the personhood of Christ that is flowing into you today. Maybe take a few moments to put words for yourself. What is it that you're coming to Jesus to receive from him afresh in this moment? Integration. Oneness with the Father, with Jesus and with Spirit. Wholeness of heart and body and psyche, incorporation into the life of God, everything we are. We come to you, Jesus, to receive from you all that we desperately need on this day. Jesus, we honor you as our sovereign Lord, and we surrender now every aspect of our life totally and completely to you. Maybe, friends, in this moment you lift your gaze to the Christ. You lock gaze with him. Maybe you simply begin to hear yourself in the ears of your heart, speaking to Christ, speaking to your brother Jesus, speaking to your Lord. Or maybe you move with your hands, with concentration and focus, surrendering to him every aspect of your life. Jesus, we give you our body, every cell, every organ, every capacity of our lungs to breathe and our brains to function and our nervous system to regulate. We give you our bodies as a living sacrifice. We give you our spirit, our soul, our mind, our capacity to represent reality through our thoughts, our will, Jesus, and our emotions. We give you our relationships, Jesus. We give you our vocation. We give you our creativity. We give you our empathy and our compassion. We give you the places yet shattered in us. We give the places yet obscured in us. We give you the rejoicing places that have come in contact with your goodness. And we give you the lamenting places that have come in contact with devastation and disorientation, God. We give you our dreams. We give you our memory. We give you our interpretations, God. We give you our understanding. We surrender every aspect of our life totally and completely to you. We give ourselves, God, to be one with you. So now as we explore calling to the Father, observe in the eye and senses of your heart if the scene shifts. Does Father enter the sacred clearing where you're relating to your brother Jesus? Do you see Father or do you simply perceive Father, perhaps just on the level of energy and vibrancy. Turning to Father, we say, Father, we give ourselves to you to be one with you as our brother Jesus is one with you. Oh, Father. Father. I know, friends, this is slipping to a later paragraph in the daily prayer, but we say, Father, Father. You are our true father, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, and the true end of all things, including our lives. We worship you, Papa. We bow to you, and we give ourselves over to you in our hearts' search for life. And we declare, Father, that you alone are life and you have become our life. Father, 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 we receive the gift of sonship. We receive the gift of belonging to you. We receive the gift of experiencing this day as a day of going to work with our Papa. We receive the posture of childlike dependency and expectancy by which we ask, what's next, Papa? Papa, we bring the unvalidated parts of our spirit to you. And perhaps now, friends, you imagine Father placing his hand upon your head and perhaps his other hand upon your heart. Or perhaps the encounter doesn't show up for you visually, but rather just through sensation. And you imagine Father imparting to you affection, assurance of belonging, invitation to collaborative work today, invitation to be a part of everything God is doing within your sphere of experience, interaction, and influence. Father, we receive your love. We receive your goodness. We receive your life. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, friends, I invite you to consider sensing Holy Spirit. Perhaps reconnecting with the breath on a deep inhale. Exhaling the pneuma, the breath of God, the Spirit of God coming. Holy Spirit, we sincerely receive you today as our counselor, our comforter, our strength, our guide, our encourager our strengthener, our teacher, the one who leads us more deeply into Jesus and into Father today. We receive you in every gift that you poured out upon your people, God, over the ages. We receive every gift, Holy Spirit. And we do ask that you would lead us deeper today into oneness with Jesus and with Father, with the life of God. Holy Spirit, we receive you with thanks. And we give you total claim to our spirit, soul, and body, our heart, our mind, our will, and emotions. Friends, I invite you to continue. Perhaps you move through just a few more phrases that are precious to you from the daily prayer. Or perhaps you simply close this time with an inhale. In your own heart, inhaling the name of Jesus, exhaling. You are here with me, God, and I am here with you. Perhaps you inhale the name Father, and you exhale, Father, I am here with you, and you are here with me. And perhaps you inhale, spirit, thank you. I am here with you, and you are here with me. Perhaps on the next inhale, you tune in to your naturally tall spine and feel energy radiate through your spine on a robust inhale. On the next exhale, you explore softness in your face and in the shoulders. Resting in God. Observe if there's any movement in the shoulders, maybe some gentle shoulder rolls, (sighs) maybe just any spontaneous movement that you might want to bring into the body. And then we'll close this second installment of our three-part series of the Become Good Soil podcast on contemplative prayer. We'll close it as we began with a quote from Thomas Merton. Meditation and contemplative prayer is not so much a way to find God as a way of resting in God whom we have found, who loves us, who is near to us, who comes to us to draw us to himself.
0: Friends, it's our hope that we can introduce or recover some big ideas that open up a new, deeper category in our prayer life with God. And the hope is in this podcast, you've not only learned uh, some things, but also practiced those things. And even more so, it's intended to give you a tool. And so, our hope is that you can return to this podcast and come back to Sherry guiding us through this process. Our goal is to receive more and more of the life of God for that wellspring of life being established within us to increase an increase in order that we might become saturated with the life of God, that we become a reservoir And out of the overflow and the abundance of God's life, we can bring that love to those entrusted to our care. So on behalf of the Wild at Heart team, thank you for joining John and I for this Wild at Heart podcast.